0: Hi everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Inspired Churches podcast. We're a church in Union City that loves Jesus. Our hope is that you'd be inspired to grow in God's Word as reflected in loving Christ more and more every day. So wherever you are, be a light. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspiredchurches.com.
1: Good morning, 11 a.m. How y'all doing? Come on, one more time for the dads in the house. Come on, let's give them love. I know we like to give mama's love, but let's give our dads some love this morning. Yeah, yeah. It is great to be a dad. And of course, I got to give a shout out to my dad, Papa Phil. Stand up a little bit. Take a little twirl, dad. Do something funny. (laughs) That's my dad. I love my dad. My dad has been an amazing provider. Um, And, you know, for those of you who know my mom, she usually takes um, the title of prayer warrior in the house. But I'd say in these last couple of years, I felt my dad's prayers more than anything else. And dad, I love you. And I told you this earlier, but I know you've probably fought some demons I haven't seen on my behalf. And so um, thank you for being a father who prays. Um, And uh, for those of you who don't know my dad or know my dad and never want to say hi to my dad after church, you can find him at Dos Hermanos where he'll be. Uh, Killing some steak rancheros, and that's kind of his thing. So we'll be there today. Um, And so, Dad, I love you. I honor you. I thank you um, more than you know. Uh, We started a sermon series last Sunday that we entitled Summer Gardens. And uh, we are going to continue throughout the summer talking about the supernatural fruit that only the Spirit of God can produce inside of a genuine believer. Um, And so what I like to do is open up in Galatians 5, and you can feel free to turn there with me if you have your Bibles or you want to turn on your Bible apps, we'll also have it for you up here on the screens, Galatians 5. 16. I'm going to read verse 16, then I'm going to skip to verse 22. And and man, if you want to just throughout the summer, read through uh, uh, Galatians 5, uh, 16 through 22, I want to encourage you, man. I want, we're going to continually read this every week we get up here until you memorize it, you know, and, and maybe even commit to memory uh, the fruit of the spirit. And so Galatians chapter five, I'm going to read verse 16, then I'm going to skip to verse 22, then I'm going to draw you into where we've been and where we are going to go. Uh, I'm really excited about this summer series as I will continue to preach, but we have some of our very own Pastor Andy, Pastor Danny, Catherine castrins will be bringing a word. Uh, uh, Pastor Roger, of course, always bringing the house down and giving us some practical wisdom from the good book. And so it's just going to be an amazing, it's going to be a critical series. And I know summer is a, 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 typically it's a vacation time and I'm okay with that. Enjoy that. I'm not a legalist. I don't, believe you need to be here every Sunday. But um, these next several Sundays are going to be really critical messages, especially if you've heard last week and moving forward. I'll explain why momentarily. Um, we're going we're to gonna kind of enter into a time of a fruit inspection. And, um, and so uh, you'll know what I mean momentarily. But if you have your Bibles, Galatians chapter 5, We're going to read verse 16, and then I'm going to move down to verse 22. The scripture reads like this. The apostle Paul tells us, are you ready to walk by the Spirit? Walk by the Spirit. And then he goes on to say, a consequence of walking by the Spirit. He says this, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so if you are walking in the spirit, there's this thing called the flesh that is pulling and tugging. But if you stay in the spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And if you go a little bit further down, I'm so glad that when Paul says walking in the spirit, it's not arbitrary. It's not something that you have to guess what that means. But then he goes on to explain it. What does it look like to walk in the spirit? And he'll say in verse 22, the fruit of the spirit or the result of walking in the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And so we don't need to guess what it means to to be a follower of Jesus. But here the Apostle Paul says, walk in the Spirit. And here's what it looks like when somebody is walking in the Spirit. And if you haven't heard, Inspired Church is going to be planting gardens all summer long. Now, I think it's a great idea, maybe at some point in the future, to do some community gardening. But what I mean by planting gardens all summer long is that we are going to be asking that the Holy Spirit would produce supernatural fruit inside of the, our natural gardens. Amen? Any gardeners? Green thumbs? Some of you maybe are a little, there we go. I knew we had someone that was good. You must be really good. There's probably some people that are, but they don't want to raise their hand because their backyard probably suggests otherwise. Maybe you try. Uh, But you know that gardening is not easy. It's a a difficult task. It takes a lot of different elements. And so we are going to be gardening um, all summer long. And so I hope that you would be with us. And we're determined uh, to be a church that produces uh, supernatural fruit. Amen? Why? Let me briefly go over why this sermon series. Why must we, as genuine believers in Jesus Christ, produce supernatural fruit? Well, number one, the Spirit's fruit validates the credibility of our witness. And we ask the question, is your life attractive? And I don't mean Instagram attractive. The question that we ask is, do you live a life that makes others want to know Jesus? Some of you probably have walked away from the church because of hypocrites, because you've dealt with Christians who really don't make you want to be anywhere near Christ. And and that's not necessarily an indictment on Jesus. It's an indictment on the followers of Jesus that are not producing visible fruit. The Spirit's fruit validates the credibility of our witness. Number two, and perhaps even more importantly than number one, the Spirit's fruit validates the genuineness of our faith. We live in America where everyone's a Christian. Well, maybe not everyone, but a lot of people are a Christian. Or at least on their Facebook they mark Christian, right? And if you go further to the Bible belt, that's where everyone is a Christian. A Christian in maybe a confession, but not in expression. And so if you're in the building today and you call yourself a follower of Jesus, one of the scariest texts in the entire Bible, I believe in Matthew 24 or 25, is when they come before Jesus on the day of judgment and they say, look at all that we've done in your name. And Jesus says, I don't know you. It's a scary thing to think that you are in Christ, but to not be. And so visible fruit not only validates your witness, but it also validates the genuineness of your faith. And finally, the production of the Spirit's fruit in our lives should also come with the presence of conflict, warfare. Like whenever the Spirit is producing in us His fruit, we also know that we live in this flesh and there is a warfare going on in our heart between what the Spirit is producing and what the flesh is doing. And so I'm here to say that if you are at war with yourself, that is a sign that the Spirit is in you. We have to take inventory because for some of us, maybe there is no war. And at that point in time, it's a dangerous moment. Are you with me? And so consider this series a critical time of fruit inspection. Some of you are really good at inspecting other people's fruit. Anybody like that? So you're really good at like looking at the person next to you and be like, well, that person's not. Right? But this is a time for you to not look out but to look in and inspect your fruit. And so as you know, last week we started with the first fruit, which was love. And we took our time to talk about love. And you can go back to the podcast or to our YouTube channel if you'd like to. Uh, be a part of that, and this week we're moving from the first fruit of love, which I call, which is the preeminent fruit, the most important fruit. All other fruit flow out of this place, and so today we move from the fruit of love to the fruit of joy, And everyone smiles through their masks, which by the way, thank you for working with us in this season of masks. I know there are other places that don't, but uh, in order for us just to be a good neighbor here uh, in Alameda, we've decided to do it. And so I know it's an inconvenience, but it's a minor inconvenience to come and worship with the body of Christ. Uh, And so I thank you so much for doing that Um, joy. Let's be honest uh, for a moment. Are, Are you a joyful person? Are you a joyful person? Or maybe forget about what you think. What do others think? Right? Would others describe you as a person who is full of joy? Or are you always down? Maybe you're discouraged, doubting, disgruntled, or discontent. Do do you have like one of those friends in your life that you absolutely love? Like someone that you really love, but you, own, like you limit the amount of time you spend with them. Am I the only one? Right. There are friends in your life right, that you love, and you can't wait to be. But because of like boundaries, you're like, okay, I, only, I have this internal clock that if I spend too long. I got, why? Because it's just, there's walk in this like cloud, right? this cloud of like negativity. And if you're sitting here today, you're like, man, I don't think I have a friend like that. Well, it's because you're that friend. You know, It's probably you. Anyway, it's probably you. You're it, and that's okay, wear it. That's fine, that's what we do here, we wear it. But the question is, do you live with joy? Do you live with joy? Now, I'm gonna say something that I know will challenge all of us, but I think it's a necessary challenge in order for us to properly inspect our fruits. I agree with theologian R.C. Sproul when he said, followers of Jesus have a moral obligation to be a people of joy. In fact, for a Christian to not be full of joy is to be in sin. Now hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. Please, I am not saying that you cannot be sad, right? Jesus himself was called a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. I am also not saying that you cannot battle with worry, anxiety, depression, or fear but I am saying that you cannot battle with worry, anxiety, depression, and fear, but I am saying that if you do battle with those things, that you can, in the midst of suffering and pain, as a genuine follower of Jesus, still produce the supernatural fruit of joy. So I'm not saying that you can't battle with these things. I'm not saying that you can't be sad, that you can't be sorrowful. What I am saying is that as a genuine believer in Jesus Christ who is filled with the spirit that produces fruit that you can have joy even in the midst of pain. And if you're having trouble believing me, I'm glad you're here. I'm going to do my best to try to explain. But before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being our ultimate father the one in which all other fathers, though imperfect, uh, point us toward. And thank you for the generosity and the provision of your son, Jesus Christ, who was given as a a sacrifice for us so that we could be near and close to you again. So, Lord, I pray that you would help this word not to come back void, that it would accomplish everything that it has been sent out to do, that it would be good seed and good soil and we ask these things in Christ's name, we pray, amen. Amen. How you doing, 11? A little quiet, 9 a.m. Usually 11 is like cracking and nine's quiet, but 11's a little quiet today. It's Father's Day. I promise we're gonna get you in, get you out, get you to lunch. When it comes to the supernatural fruit of joy, I I, want to answer four questions. Here's my task. My task is to answer four questions for you today. And if you're an outline person, or maybe a person just likes to control and know where you're going, uh, I'm going to put it all out there for you right now uh, so that you can be aware. So number one, the first question is is this. When it comes to supernatural joy, what is it? It's pretty simple. Number two, where does it come from? Number three, how do I get it? And finally, number four, what does it look like in real time? I think all of us want to skip and get there, right? It's like, okay, the theory is great, but what does it actually look like in a life real time? But we'll get there soon. So what is it? I believe that we can categorize joy in two ways. Uh, and, and, And in my own mind, I've categorized it as natural joy and Supernatural joy, natural joy, and supernatural joy. Let's talk about natural joy for a moment. Natural joy is a joy that anyone can experience, it's a kind of happiness on steroids. And it can be seen throughout the pages of Scripture. In fact, natural joy is the result of God's common grace. Do you know that God gives special grace? And then he gives common grace. God gives us his special grace in his son, Jesus Christ, that only those who would believe in Jesus would receive. But there is a common grace, which means you can be in this room and not believe in Jesus at all. You can be an atheist in this room and not believe in God at all. And yet as Christians, we believe that you've still been extended by God, common grace. The fact that you woke up, the fact that you're breathing is a common grace grace of God. Are you with me? And we see that throughout the pages of scripture. In fact, as I was watching a a, a clip from the Bible project regarding joy, they did a great job of pointing out in Genesis 1, God calls creation very good. And because creation is very good, he's created a place and a space for all of us to enjoy. I mean, think about it. Like, think of, When's the last time you went jet skiing? You've interacted with the lake and the water. You're interacting with creation. It's bringing you joy. When's the last time maybe you went snowboarding on the top of a mountain, uh, enjoying the snow? Like, when's the last time you went on a hike and, and you enjoyed the beauty of nature? God, in creation, has given Given it to us so that we can joy, take joy. Psalms 104 talks about wine gladdening the heart. Now, some of you probably need to slow down on the wine, but nonetheless, wine gladdens the heart. Proverbs 5 calls husbands to rejoice in the bride of their youth. And Proverbs 27 compares the joy a fragrance brings to the nose like the joy a friend brings to the heart. Some of you follow me on Instagram. Yesterday, I put a question out there. I asked my Instagram friends to describe joy. What does joy mean to them? I got all kinds of great answers, but many of them ultimately revolved around this idea of happiness and contentment. And many of the responses described in different ways natural joys. I mean, think about the last time you've experienced a natural joy in your life. Maybe it was your wedding day. That was a little quiet. <laughs> Come on, ladies, this for Father's Day. You can pretend a little bit. Or maybe it was the birth of a child. Maybe a vacation, a graduation, a promotion. Maybe it was when you purchased your home or accomplished something that you had worked so hard to achieve. That brings us joy. These things are beautiful joys, but natural joys don't last. The honeymoon ends, and now two imperfect people struggle to become one. The baby grows up and becomes a source of much heartache and pain. The dream house turns into a financial nightmare. The perfect job is now your greatest stressor. And that relationship that you swore will last forever has harmed you, broken your heart. Now, listen, not all joys will sour, but they all will eventually expire. Yet, there is a kind of joy that lasts forever. While anyone can experience the natural joys of this world, only a genuine follower of Jesus can produce the kind of joy that lasts forever. It's not a feeling or an emotion. It's not conditional or contingent upon whether the circumstances are good. It's a supernatural fruit produced by the Spirit's creative work in our natural gardens of our lives. So where does this supernatural fruit come from? How do we get it? And what does it look like in real time? Again, if you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. I'll wait for you to get there. Verse three through nine. First Peter chapter one, verse three through nine. We want to go to the text. We want to go to the word to define supernatural joy, a joy that is not conditional, a joy that is not contingent upon circumstances, a lasting joy, a permanent joy, a forever joy. First Peter, chapter one, verses three through nine. We're talking about joy, and it feels a little sad in here, but I'm just going to believe God's doing a great work in your heart. Can't see your face, and I get it, but my Lord. Whew. First Peter. Chapter one. It's Father's Day, y'all. It's Father's Day. First Peter chapter one, verses three through nine. Uh, uh, Let's let's get into this. Let's get into the text. Peter says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy." Who's The Father, according to his great mercy, he, the Father, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance, amen? How many y'all love inheritances, right? Give me the money to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. I don't know about y'all, but it's good to know that I have a rich inheritance that's not in a savings account, but it is kept in heaven permanently waiting for me. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now here it is. Peter says, in this I rejoice. Y'all with me? What, what, is what am I rejoicing in? Everything he just said. So hopefully y'all got that. In that I rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, You love him, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith. What is the outcome of my faith? The salvation of your souls. Okay, I think we need to unpack that. Where does this supernatural joy come from? Peter writes in verse six, in this I rejoice. My supernatural joy, not not the natural joy, but this joy that only the Spirit brings. In this I rejoice. In what? What did Peter rejoice in? What was causing Peter's joy? His joy, are you ready? Ready or not, is in his salvation, this salvation that was secured for him in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's on the cross that Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves. He freed us from the bondage of sin. He gave us his perfect record of righteousness. He filled us with his spirit, and he has reserved for us a place in his father's house. If you're saved and that doesn't excite you then you might not be saved inspect your fruits even as I declare the salvation of Christ and if you've been a believer you can be so stoic to this because you heard it all before and as Christians we take for granted what Christ has given to us where does Peter get his joy Where should we get our joy? Not from ourselves, but from Christ, who has waiting for me an imperishable, undefiled, and unfading inheritance in heaven. Thank you. Somebody should rejoice. If you're a follower of Jesus and you believe that he hasn't just wiped your sin clean. If you're a follower of Jesus and you believe that he has given you his robes of righteousness so that you don't have to stand up for the Father in dirty clothes. If you're a follower of Jesus, you not only believe that he's done this for you now, but in the future, there is something far beyond which you can understand waiting for you. Somebody rejoice. 1 Corinthians 2.9. No eye has seen. No ear heard. No heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Like a child on Christmas Eve. Too excited to sleep. Full of anticipatory joy. A genuine believer should be like this, who has this genuine hope, even in the midst of suffering and pain. What does that mean? That means you may be broke. Okay Amen. You may be broke. You may be uncertain about your financial future. Your health may be fading. Your body may be aching. You might even be battling with depression and anxiety, but your joy can be full because it is not grounded in temporary happiness, but rooted in heavenly hope. You got me over here yelling and sweating. In the name of Jesus. A hope that looks forward to a day when there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more suffering, no more decay, no more death, no more anxiety, no more depression, no more schizophrenia. Come on. He's somebody in the building of genuine believer of Jesus. We have this hope, a hope that the author of Hebrews calls a sure and steadfast anchor of my soul it's the reason why the apostle Paul can rejoice while in jail and it's why James can encourage us to count it all joy even when you are going through trials why does James say that we don't take joy that we're going through a trial we take joy because the trial is producing hope in us a hope for something better and greater an inheritance that is unshakable and unfading. This is not your ordinary garden variety joy. So, how can I get it? Man? How can I get it? Thanks, Mama. How can I get access to this kind of joy? Look at Verse 8. Let's go back to the text. Look at verse 8. Listen to what Peter says. And this one hit me this week. Yeah. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Uh-huh. Y'all feel that? Yeah. Yeah. That speaks right to me. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy. That is inexpressible and filled with glory. You know, one of my favorite lines from Christ in the book of John, when he prays his priestly prayer before he's about to go to the cross. Did you know he prays for his disciples? But then he prays for all of those who will believe. He doesn't just pray for his disciples, but he prays for all of those that will believe because of the result of their word. Yeah. And though they will never see him, uh-huh. they will believe in the word. Yeah. Yeah. And he prays for you and he prays for me. Though I don't see him, I love him. I believe him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How can we get it? How can we get this hope? Let me just say it like this. How can we get this kind of joy? This is not a manufactured joy. It's not a work of men. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. As a result, because it can't be manufactured by men, because in your own strength, in your own power, you can't create this joy. There is nothing that you can do <laughs> essentially to produce it. This joy can only be received by those who believe in a reality that they don't see. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like the dad in the scripture that brought his son to Jesus. And he says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Am I the only one that ba- battles with doubt? Am I the only one in here that has to yeah. doubt my doubts? We're really good at doubting God, but I, I heard a real, I think it was Tim Keller that said, hey, learn to doubt your doubts. In the same way I pour out my doubts on God, I, I turn it around and I doubt the doubts. I mean, I mean, at some point, belief is taking place. I have to trust someone's word. Hmm. The joy, this supernatural joy that is produced by the spirit can only be received by those who believe in what they cannot see. Mm. How can one receive this joy? By trusting in the work of Jesus. Do you believe that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the son of God? Do you believe that he has fully paid for all your sins with his precious blood? And do you believe that he rose from the dead and has gone to be with the father to prepare an inheritance? An unspeakable, unfading, undefiled, guarded, nobody can take away. I remember when my father retired from United Airlines, had worked there. Thirty plus years, put money into this retirement account, but because of corporate greed and bankruptcy, what was promised to him was taken away. What a crushing blow! Yet we have an inheritance that cannot be robbed, it cannot be removed. And the problem is that some of y'all are putting your trust in what people can take away. If you trust him, though you do not see him, then your joy can be full. Oh. Yes. 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 Come on, Philip. What, what does that look like in real time? Yeah. Like, let's get down to it. Like, that's great. It sounds nice. You, know, you, you have the gift of gab. You can sit in a room for maybe 30 minutes and convince people through shouting and vein popping out of the side of the neck. Well, let's be honest. What does it look like in real time? Let's go to the text. You know what I love about this text? Peter is talking about the inexpressible glory-filled joy And he says, I rejoice. And he tells us where it comes from. It comes from this belief in what we can't see. And he goes and he begins to describe the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. But smack dab in the middle of this text about joy, I love what he does. Look at verse six. He says this, though now for a little while, you have been grieved by various trials. Y'all feel that? I love Christianity. We don't fake the funk. I love that Peter talks about an inexpressible, glory-filled joy, but he doesn't forget to include the reality of pain. I love it. I love that he calls us to rejoice. A call to rejoice is made in the text in the midst of suffering and pain. The supernatural joy of a believer does not require them to deny pain or suppress pain. We live in a world where we escape it. We smoke it away. We drink it away. We live in a world where we deny it. Maybe if you deny it, it'll go away. We live in a world where we suppress it. Ignore it. But I love the Bible and the scripture and the gospel of Jesus Christ is that there is a joy, a supernatural joy that can coexist in your suffering and pain. So what does it look like in real time? In 2015... The Golden State Warriors blew a 3-1 lead. It's been a source of heartache and pain. Of course, since then, we've enjoyed so much joy, including this last week. You knew I was going to get it in. Some of you may never come back to church again because they're too holy and sacred to talk about that. But nonetheless, I celebrated in the common grace of God. The Warriors brought home another championship. My boy, Steph Curry, won an MVP. Okay, I can't, I'm not preaching. Sure. Some of you, man, that's the most excited you got all day, y'all. Man, I'm just kidding. You know how to get you there. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. But I'll never forget, right? We blew a 3-1 lead. I'll never forget game seven, right? I was at Jeffrey's place, and we're actually at his dad's place. We had a little bit of a watch party. And, and man, that, that series went our way, and all of a sudden, it started to collapse on us. <laughs> I'll never forget game seven. There were some ups and some downs. There were some hopeful opportunities, but we were stagnant for like the last two minutes. It was great defense. Nobody can score. Both teams were tired. And then Kyrie hits a step back dagger that sealed the deal for a devastating loss at home. Like I can't even stand it to this day. Even, you know, the visions of Andre Iguodala with a fast break and LeBron James, like I have to see that all the time all the time. And if you're not a lunatic fan on the border of idolatry like me, you're probably like, I have no idea what this guy's talking about, but just stay with me. Um, it was a crushing defeat. And I remember it as, as the clock wound down. The bronze like, Cleveland, this is for you. I went to my little car seat where my son, who was just born that year, He's born in April, so he's about three months. Was tightly bundled because his dad knows how to swaddle well. I picked up my <laughs> right, phrase got for the swaddling. I picked up my son. I went to the backyard. I remember, I held him really tight. Some of you think this guy is really weird. <laughs> I held him really tight. I held him really close, he secured in my arms, and um, as I began to hug him. I literally began to hug him until the sting of the loss began to slowly fade. And in that moment, there was no doubt that I was feeling deeply disappointed, but I drew comfort from the presence of my newborn son that was in my possession. So even though I was experiencing loss, I was still holding on to joy. Y- y'all hear that illustration? Some of you might think that's a real trivial illustration. Well, rewind back 14 months earlier in 2014 when Jamila and I had just found out that we were going to have our first baby. I remember that day. I got home. She had placed the positive test to surprise me on the table. Not knowing what it was. She told me to look, and there was this stick with two red lines. We both were overjoyed. overjoyed. And like any couple, we began to smile and imagine and talk about what life would be with a, a new baby girl or baby boy. But the smiles quickly turned to fear. The day my wife started to bleed and the great joy turned to deep pain when we found out that we had lost our baby. I can remember walking out of the doctors, the hospital, just feeling crushed. And even more than that, if you know my wife, Jamila's like not an overly emotional person, but everything's in her eyes. She's the only person I know that could wear a mask and I could figure everything out. It's all in her eyes. And and, and I can remember the hopelessness and the emptiness in her eyes. I could only imagine, I mean, I I was crushed, but I could only imagine her who, who was carrying this life and having to go through that process. We sat in the car and I remember in the midst of heavy disappointment, deep grief, pain, I remember grabbing her hand and determining to pray. Joy was something we didn't feel that day. Are y'all with me? Joy was something that we did not feel that day. And though we did not feel joy, we chose joy. You see, as we began to pray, we began to thank the Lord in our grief. And as we continued to pray we began to realize that we had access to an anchor in our souls, a hope that transcends terrible circumstances. And though death had robbed us of happy feelings, it could not rob us of the joy of the Lord. Let me say that again. And though death had robbed us of happy Feelings. It could not rob. It could not touch. It could not take the joy of the Lord. And though I had no joy and she had no joy, the joy of the Lord was our strength. So we prayed and we didn't feel like praying. And we worshiped and we didn't feel like worshiping. We didn't feel joy. We felt grief. We felt sorrow. We felt pain. We felt death. Yet deep down because we were anchored in Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And today we have two babies in heaven. And we've talked to Philip about it. He knows he has a brother or a sister in paradise. Come on, Phil. And one day, yeah. there, yeah. one day. When we get there. One day. When we get there. Both our babies will be there. Yes, 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 yes. Death. Death. You can mess with my happiness. On, Grief, sorrow, pain, hurt. You can mess with it, but you can't. You can't take my joy. You can't take my joy. You can't take this unfading, undefiled, supernatural joy y'all hear me yeah. supernatural joy wow. a joy that is a fruit of the spirit joy you can worship in the pain you can pray in the suffering a joy that you don't have to smoke away drink away run away hide away but a joy that coexists in that pain. And, and though we were suffering, we held on because in our possession, we had the joy of the Lord yeah. and the salvation of our souls through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. 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 Hallelujah. And today, some of y'all just made it to the party. Some of y'all have been partying for a while. We celebrate Juneteenth. It's a day in 1865 when enslaved African-Americans learned of their emancipation. And as I reflect on what that means, I couldn't help but think about how much we can learn from the black church. Like, why you call it a black church? Well, they had no other choice. They weren't allowed in the other churches. And though their suffering was immense... Their theology of joy and their demonstration of joy is unparalleled, if you ask me, in history. I mean, stolen from their homes, shipped like cargo, families torn apart, sold into slavery, treated like animals on the surface. There was nothing that black slaves could be happy or hopeful about even after emancipation, Jim Crow and segregation, there seemed to be only trauma. Yet the black church is marked by songs of joy, soul music, songs of incredible trust that refuse to allow their current earthly situations to take away their hope in heaven. Are you hearing me? Songs that said, swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me home. I looked over the Jordan and what did I see? Coming forth to carry me home. A band of angels coming after me. Coming forth to carry me home. Hopeless suffering. To an unbeliever. But to a genuine follower of Jesus, who has this supernatural fruit of the Spirit, hope. Uh Mm. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers he's called, he once said this. The joy of the Lord is what does the most damage to Satan's kingdom. Oh. Yeah. You want to do damage come on. to the devil's kingdom. Yeah. It's the joy of the Lord. It's the joy of the Lord. He goes on to say, I am with Luther. And he's quoting another theologian. He says, I am with Luce Luther, who used to say, when he heard any ba- bad news, come, come let us sing a song and spite the devil. Wow. What a testimony. What a testimony. What a testimony. Come. Let us sing a song. Don't wallow. Come, let us sing a song. Let us sing a song in spite the devil. And for those of you that maybe have experienced a deep pain, a deep pain, an unimaginable suffering, maybe you can't sing a song, and maybe this moment doesn't call for songs of joy. It's not sinful. Jesus was called a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. But I want to remind you that though grief may be here, though you may be battling with deep suffering and pain, maybe there are people in this room struggling with mental health and feelings of happiness. That's not your measurement of joy. There's a joy that's deeper than a feeling, and it's a bedrock of hope. that one day there'll be no more pain. There'll be no more death. One day you'll be in heaven. You'll escape the flesh. One day, the depression. One day, the anxiety that you so wish would just go away, wish it could be normal. One day, it'll be gone. And though you suffer now, there is hope, glory, I'm with Luther who used to say when he heard any very bad news, come, let us sing a song spite the devil. And so if you're in pain today, let us sing a song spite the devil together as a church who's anchored in the hope of Jesus Christ.
0: If you are able to stand and as a response I've got just one move with my arms stretched wide. Julia.
1: what joy the Lord must feel when his people suffering can lift up a hallelujah what a blessing you know I always used to trip out like you know the Lord blesses us and we see us you know bless the Lord how can I bless God how can I bless him he's giving me everything I mean he's the ultimate blesser doesn't need anything there's just something inside of me that dares to believe that when I worship, and when I rejoice, when I praise, I bless His name. But even when I'm suffering and I'm not feeling it, in the moment I'm going to pray. But I want to say this isn't a Christian cliche. Like you're going to leave this place and you're not going to feel it. Like this is not about oh, I, I, you know, God makes me feel. I'm sure, he can make you feel good, but many of you are gonna leave this place and, and you're not gonna necessarily feel it, but that's that's natural joy. There's a supernatural, there's a bedrock of hope. So even when you're not feeling it, the fact remains. And you know what's cool about fact, they don't care about your feelings. Fact does not require you to feel, it requires you to believe. And so don't beat yourself up if you don't feel it, but you believe it. You believe it. You receive what Christ has already done. Because one day in eternity, we're going to feel it. We're going to feel it. We're going to believe it. We're going to see it. It's all going to happen. But right now, God only asks us to trust and believe. Let's pray. Jesus. 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 It's one of those sermons, it's easy to preach, but definitely not easy to walk out. so easy to stand up here and shout and holler, and and then we got to walk out and live in some of us very deep suffering and pain. And so I do not want to trivialize that at all, at all, at all, at all. I can only pray that the Holy Spirit does what my words can't. This is a supernatural work of the Spirit. Not even the words of man. Like Peter says, inexpressible joy. And so I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would produce in us, in this church, in everyone in this building as we believe as we look to Christ's work, that the byproduct of that would be this unspeakable joy. I just can't express it. This settling in my soul, this bedrock of hope that goes deeper, that penetrates and goes beyond my feelings and goes deep into my soul. The joy of the Lord is my strength. May we walk in that. May we produce fruit that would honor and glorify the Lord in all that we do. So, Lord, I just pray a blessing again over all the fathers in the building. I pray a blessing as we leave this place. May we not leave your presence. You will go with us. We may walk in the spirit. We love you and we praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. I love you, Inspire family. Happy Father's Day. Enjoy your week, and we'll see you next Sunday. God bless.